Welcome, foolish mortals. Journey with us now to the dawn of recorded time as we explore the amazing story of human communication. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart <laughs> of all creation. For eons, our planet has drifted as a spaceship through the universe. And for a brief moment, we have been its passengers. I can't do this show alone. I know. The gang can't be far. I'll call them. W-, w Radio. Your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 237 for the week of August 28th, 2011. The D23 Expo, the ultimate Disney fan experience, took place last weekend in the halls of the Anaheim Convention Center. The official community for Disney fans brought together people from around the world for a weekend filled with pavilions, presentations, celebrities, experiences, and for many of us, some cherished Disney memories. This week, we'll recap the Expo on our roundtable and look at the Expo as a whole. Differences from the first Expo in 2009, how our experiences differed, the future, and much more. I'll then have a special announcement from Celebrations Magazine, as well as some more updates before playing some of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. The D23 Expo is the ultimate Disney fan event. From animation, parks, television, live action films, you name it, it's all here in Anaheim. One of the signature elements of the D23 Expo this year is the Parks and Resorts Pavilion. It's called the Carousel of Projects, and our Imagineers are coming out and sharing with our fans all the new attractions, theme parks, and other entertainment experiences that are coming from the world of Disney. And over here in the distance, you can see Lightning McQueen. This is the ride vehicle that our guests will be riding in on uh, Radiator Springs Racers come 2012. We're really thrilled to have something for everybody from the, the people who fondly remember the old days to the present day. Kids can even see their favorite things. Behind me, you can see something really, really special. This is some uh, items from Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. This is the door that Alice went through when she got into Wonderland. And uh, the maquettes are the stand-in maquettes for the CG characters. They're very delicate, but they're so beautiful, we wanted to share them with you. Well, the Disney Legends uh, program and the ceremony itself, it's, it's, it's how the Walt Disney Company honors the men and women who have contributed significantly to the Disney legacy. We're honoring Regis this year because of the significant contributions that he's made to Disney's history and television. First of all, I can't believe I am a Disney legend. I'm, but I'm a, you know, Mickey Mouse is a Disney legend, but I'm excited to be a part of it. Wherever you are on the spectrum of Disney fandom, there is something here for, for everyone. There's no better opportunity for our fans to actually engage with the people who make the magic uh, here at Disney uh, than the D23 Expo. Last weekend, thousands of Disney fans from around the globe descended on the Anaheim Convention Center to be part of Disney's D23 Expo. 
enthusiasts whose interests ranged from the Disney's parks and resorts to TV, movies, collecting, fashion, and everything in between came together to celebrate all things Disney. And one of the most important parts of that may be the fact that we, as fans, we came together in that environment that could have been found nowhere else. And so heralded as the ultimate Disney fan experience, for three days we were treated to all the fun and the wonder and the adventure as the past, present, and maybe even a peek into the future of Disney were shared with their most devoted fans. And there was so much to see and so much to do even beyond what was printed on the schedule. And some of the real Disney magic uh, was created by the people who were there in attendance themselves. And because my experience was very different than many others, and in fact, I think everybody seemed to experience and enjoy the expo in different ways, I thought it was important to hear from other attendees, all of whom are hopefully gonna bring their own experiences and perspectives to the discussion. So in no particular order, except gentlemanly, Letting the ladies go first, Becky Mankin, my partner and sponsor and co-booth occupant on the show floor from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Welcome back. Thank you so much. And my feet still hurt. And it has Just been saying. way too long since, since I've seen you. Yeah. And by way too long, I mean like four <laughs> days. Um, also, manning the booth and crushing in the best possible way is all the way from somewhere in New Jersey, Christy Visaki. Hi, Lou. Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. It is great to have you on the show. And also from the uh, the Irene-drenched East Coast is Jessica Clausen. She is our social media maven over at Celebrations Magazine. So, Jessica, welcome back. Hi. How you doing, Lou? How are the feet holding up? Oh, fine. I'm, I'm still bouncy as ever. Speaking of bouncy East Coasters who are lots of fun and who are a great help at the Expo as well, Stephanie Cowan Eisenberg is joining us. Hey, everybody. Hey, Lou. I think that's all the ladies, isn't it? Good. Because her husband, <laughs> you remember him from such weddings as the Cowan Eisenberg wedding, which we broadcast live from Walt Disney World. Larson Eisenberg, welcome back. Thank you much. Good to be here. Tony Caggiano. Also, a uh, good friend was at the expo with the wife and the kids in the booth. It's, um, it's good, and I use air quotes when I say that, to have you back on the show as well. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for having me back. <laughs> and uh, for the first time ever in the new Orlando studio, I want to welcome two friends. And uh, uh, Mike Beckerman uh, is, is, I think this is your first, is this your first time? Yeah. First time on the show, first time in the studio was uh, helping out with some of the video at the expo as well. So, Mike, welcome into the uh, the oh-so-not-quite-decorated-yet studio. It'll get there. What's up, everyone? And um, literally wearing a Sorcerer Mickey hat, WW Radio shirt, and slippers is a good friend and sorcerer, Scott Otis. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. So it is great to uh, have you all back. It's like the gang is all here again. It's like the expo all over again, except the fact that Scott is wearing slippers. <laughs> um, but you know the uh, I, I was trying to think about how to approach recapping uh, the expo because there is so much to cover and the first question I wanted to ask is because I don't remember which of you attended I know I was obviously there in 2009 Becky you were there as well Scott I know you were who else yes. here uh, came in 2009 to the first 
D23 Expo. Nobody? The crickets, the, cr the sound of the crickets <laughs> is deafening. <laughs> so, and to those people who were not there, who did not experience it for the first time, I want to ask you, so uh, obviously I know, I know Christy and Jessica, you guys came to help out at the booth, but I know it's something you probably would have wanted to come to as a guest as well. And, and Tony, you, maybe in, in that order, what was it? What was sort of that reason that drew you out to want to come to this year's expo? Christy, Jessica, and then Tony. Well, I was really just very eager to see what wonderful things Disney had in store and would be presenting to everyone and really hoping to find a group of people who shared that love of Disney the way I do and without having people sort of always ask me to explain why I like Disney so much. I was kind of looking forward to being with people who already understood it and I didn't have to explain myself to them. And I definitely found that it was the most amazing experience ever. You are not alone. You are not alone. And <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who felt as though uh, before this community and obviously before the Internet sort of blew up the way it was that that they were the only ones who sort of had that uh, passionate interest in, mm -hmm. in Disney. Jessica, do you feel uh, the same way? Absolutely. I really wanted to go just because I knew so many people that I had talked to online were going to be there. And I wanted to go there to meet everyone. And I met so many people. And that, I mean, I had fun at the expo, but meeting the people is what really drew me there. Tony, what about for you? Because you came out not as a solo Disney fan, but you brought your wife and two very young, albeit well-behaved, kids out to the expo too. Yeah, um, after watching you all, watching the first expo, to be 100% honest with you, it was almost like my wife, my wife Charlene told me she didn't want to hear me whine about it next time. After the, no, I'm, this, is a, this is an actual, I mean, this is something she actually said to me after the first one. Um, during the first one, I was home with sick kids while she was working, so I watched the entire, the entire um, first expo, your broadcast of it. And after that, she, was, she truly said that. And um, everybody looked like they had a great time. I had a lot of friends there, and I'm a huge Disney fan, so why wouldn't I want to be there really is the question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for a lot of us who were there in 2009, the idea of coming back was almost a no-brainer. And Scott, part of the reason why I wanted to bring you here, not just because you're an incredibly snappy dresser in your slippers, but because you were there <laughs> as a guest in 2009, yes. and probably more so than anybody else uh, on the panel tonight. You were here in 2011 as a guest, and we're gonna talk about some of the different things, but you went so far as to be the one in the group who ordered the Sorcerer package. And in addition to the one day and the three day tickets, there were two additional levels of ticket option. One of them was a premier package, Becky, which I know you purchased, and you went for the Sorcerer package, which was uh, admittedly a bit more expensive at $1,000. What was it about needing to come back and feeling that you needed to go and get that level of ticket in order to attend? Well, they were offering a gift bag, so I wanted to be a part of that. No, actually, um, <laughs> seriously, because there, there were some line issues at the last expo, a lot of people waiting a long time, not knowing if they were going to be able to get into the uh, presentations. And the Sorcerer uh, level did have guaranteed access into all of the arena presentations and every other presentation. So I just uh, I wanted guaranteed access and actually pretty good seating as well. So, Yeah, and we'll talk as we start to talk about some of the uh, arenas and the... Um 
other presentations, uh, some of the issues that people encountered as far as lines were concerned. Larson and Stephanie, this actually happened to coincide with your honeymoon. Uh, planning is everything. But before you guys came out, uh, Disney, very slowly, as we started leading up to it, released in little bits here and there the schedule. Was it something that you guys looked at in advance? Did you kind of go uh, online or download it or get a PDF and sort of go through it in advance and say, okay, these are the things that we want to see. This is the things that we have to see or we're going to try and get to see? Definitely. I mean, as soon as the um, web app was available, Larson was like, download it on your phone. Do it right now. Do it right now. <laughs> in front of me. Make <laughs> sure I downloaded it so we could plan the schedule. But what we planned ahead of time didn't end up being what we ended up doing. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I kind of came came in and I wanted to do, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. And um, when push came to show, we actually got out there and we saw all the stuff that was just on the showroom floor, you know, with, without even having to wait. I kind of came to the realization of, you know, let's just kind of see where the day takes us and, and go from there. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people uh, and anybody can chime in if this is the case. Before the expo started, they had things checked off that they were most excited about, whether it was an arena presentation, whether it was a pavilion, whether it was uh, an announcement that maybe they were looking for. And then once they were there, that actually changed. The thing that they enjoyed the most was different than that. Did any of you find that to be the case? Like, Mike, you know, you came out and sort of were wearing a number of different hats out there as well. Was there something that you were looking forward to most, but then once you got out there, the reality of it was there was something else that interested you or that you enjoyed more once you experienced it? Um, yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I was actually really interested in the Parks and Resorts uh, presentation, but by the time we had gone through most of the presentations, I actually found that I enjoyed the studio presentation the most and got the most out of it. And so I, the the word that when we did the, the D23 Expo prep show, we were talking about some of our tips for the people who were going for the first time. And tips were things like, oh, wear comfortable shoes, which obviously was not a joke. That was something you needed to do. <laughs> but we talked about words like, you know, breathtaking and, and overwhelming. What was that? What was day one like? for some of you who had never been, been there before. What was it like, you know, sort of describe for me walking through the doors or the line outside or even sort of the energy level uh, outside on day one. And, and I know, again, people who were helping out with the booth were able to kind of get in early and didn't necessarily get a sense from that. But Tony, did you sort of get that feel, sort of that either, either seeing the line outside or when you finally entered into uh, the main, the first floor of the expo hall? Uh, yeah, when we came over there to help do help you do some setup, I I actually leaving there the day before it opened. I almost found it hard to believe that it was all going to be done in time for the next morning. There was just so much going on, and the whole you know the setting up the logistics of setting up the convention was impressive to me. But the the next day when I when we uh, when we arrived at the convention center, I was I mean my family and I we were all just blown away with the line, just the sheer number of people outside and to hear that someone had been waiting since 5 a.m. That was really the most, uh, you know, so to say breathtaking thing was just that the people, the number of people and their excitement and willingness to wait so long to get in the doors alone. Yeah, I did a quick interview with the people who were first in line. Uh, they had come out from New York and they got online at two o'clock in the morning, uh, although there was some debate as to actually who was first, but they're like, look, we were here since two o'clock. Uh, because of the line issue from the year before and because they wanted sort of that idea of being first and getting 
the most opportunity inside the pavilion as they could. Now, Becky, you and I, we sort of hit this from a different way. We were there in 2009, but it's kind of hard for us because we go in wearing multiple hats and sort of having the booth to worry about and some of the other things. It's tough for us to sort of get a sense of that energy outside. But we saw it even in the hotel and as we were coming in and even the people who were there setting up. Um, you know, I know when we first walked in on uh, Wednesday, two days before, we wondered how they were going to get everything done by <laughs> Friday morning. Yeah, it was amazing because we, we walked in for for that setup day on Wednesday and everything was in pallets and there were boxes and there were people. There was the energy that was going crazy. And I looked around and thinking, knowing what this is going to end up, uh, it, it was hard to put my brain around how much work had to be done between Wednesday and opening on Friday. But even when we were walking over that that morning, the line that went all the way around the building and the energy from those people as we were getting hurrying ourselves over to the to the booth to finish put those last finishing touches on before the doors opened it it was it was a palpable en- uh, energy from the people and it was great yeah and as we were starting to approach it i mean even before the schedule was being released <clears throat> excuse me we didn't knew, we didn't know of one big change from 2009 to 2011 and that was the number of days the 2009 expo was four days. This year they cut it down to three, which we thought was an interesting choice because back in 2009, we were already struggling with trying to figure out what to see and balance because there was so much overlap. Scott, when you were sort of looking at it ahead of time, obviously I'm sure that helped factor into your decision to get the Sorcerer ticket, but was that something that concerned you or as you looked at the schedule, how do you think the schedule as a whole compared with the three day versus four day? Yeah, I was definitely uh, actually disappointed that it was uh, three days instead of four because last expo, I actually, you know, I spent all four days, uh, every hour of every day doing as many presentations and seeing as much of the show floor as I was able to. Um, And so I knew that, you know, three days, you know, that's kind of, uh, that's that's one quarter that was taken out of that. And, you know, last time I did not, uh, I, I actually needed more time to see everything. So I was a little bit disappointed by that. But then I realized, um, I guess some of the more historical uh, heritage-type presentations were taken away as they were uh, delegated to the Destination D um, that we've had at both Disneyland and Disney World. So I, I guess I kind of understood that, but I still would have uh, preferred four days. Uh, so you're, you're bringing up a point that I was going to touch on later. The fact that it seemed that some things may have been pulled out and brought over to the Destination D events on both coasts. Did you like yeah. that decision? I mean, because we obviously, we attended both. We attended Destination D in, in Disneyland first and then Walt Disney World later on uh, earlier this year. Did you like having that aspect of, sort of the, the more geekified little orange nerd historical aspect of it brought out to those other events? Well, I'm glad they did uh, start the Destination Ds and I'm you know, very pleased with both of those. But to be honest, I would have preferred that they continue to have those uh, also at the, uh, at the de- expo. Yeah, because it does, you know, every day, excuse me, still, there are a number of tracks going simultaneously. There was the arena that would have one or two presentations a day, uh, stage 23, uh, stage 28. There was also a talent roundup with celebrities. Disney Living had a number of uh, special events going on, including signings and story time. A lot of stuff from the Disney Channel. I mean, really from 9 o'clock in the morning to about 7 o'clock at night. Disney Interactive had their own section, and there was also the Dream Store, which had some celebrities coming in as well. Um, Again, Tony, since you were sort of out walking around with your wife and kids too, did you sort of find that 
right from day one there was that having to make choices and where do we go first and what do we hit first? Yeah, absolutely. Um, going with the kids, while it was, it did bring its own set of difficulties, it was really enjoyable. I, um, we really had to divide up our time. Charlene would take some time to see an event. We'd take turns seeing events and obviously watching the kids. So there was, there was a lot for the kids to do, a lot more than I had expected. I thought we'd have more downtime. We brought, the first day or two, we brought a lot of things for the kids to do, arts and crafts stuff in, the, in a bag. And by the end, we really, they were, we could have kept them as busy as we wanted to and um, just took turns running around. But there was, there was more to see than we could fit into our schedule. Well, and a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, on Friday morning, I think knowing, especially from 2009, knowing from experience, as soon as they walked in the door, the decision for them as to what to do was very easy. And the first decision they made was to get online for the arena presentation, which started uh, two hours later. If you were a D23 member, you were able to get in at nine o'clock. And the Disney Legend Ceremony was really the first big event of the expo. And this is one that was a huge hit in 2009 um, with Robin Williams and Betty White and so many other Disney legends uh, being inducted there. This year, again, this seemed to be the thing that people were really excited about. I know, Mike, you had a chance to go in and experience it with a bunch of other people, too. And you, like a lot of other people, immediately came sort of reporting back to the booth and were like, it was awesome. Because that's when you sort of got, we knew who was being inducted, but you got a few surprises as to what they did during the award ceremony. Yeah, I mean, going into the legend ceremony, I fully expected it to be, oh, this person did this they affected Disney in this kind of way and this is why you're becoming a Disney legend but it was more than that all the princesses who received uh, legend ceremonies they all came together right towards the end of the show and they each had their own little section of where they sang a song from one of their movies and then at the end of that they all came together and sang one song I forget which one it was exactly do you remember Scott? A dream is a wish your heart makes. There you go. A dream is a wish your heart makes. They all came together and sang that, and it was absolutely amazing. Um, that was definitely one of the biggest highlights from the expo coming out of that presentation. Larson or Stephanie, did you guys get a chance to get in to see the, the legend ceremony at all? Because I know you, you were not there in 2009. No, we didn't. No, we uh, we were in the, uh, I think, the archives. Uh, exhibit in the archive store at that time. And so was that, uh, did you do that by choice or was it because, because one of the things that we heard was that there were a number of events that people had actually a tough time getting into even after waiting online. So did you wait online and then choose the archives or was the archives what interested you first? No, we, uh, we admitted defeat pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> we were like, oh, I don't think we're going to get into that. So let's go see all the cool stuff in the archives. And the archives is actually pretty dead. So we were able to take our time um, and really get a chance to see everything up there and uh, get our hands on some on some cool merchandise that uh, people may not have had a chance to get. Yeah, it was interesting. I, Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, and it's as much as I wish I would have seen that, um, it was cool to be able to do something different and not feel like I missed out on something because there still was something cool and interesting to see. So I looked at it as instead of, waiting online for two hours i got to take my time and go through the archives and i'm a history person so it was really cool to see some of those things that i don't know if i'd be able to see later on in the, the weekend 
I will say that was one of the interesting changes between the two years, Lou, is that the first year when the doors opened, people like hit the floor and they were walking through the floor and they were looking at everything that was there. This year, it seemed the doors open and everyone went right for that arena queue or for the shopping queue, either or. Yeah, it was it was interesting to watch the division of people because we brought the box out there. We had started broadcasting, you know, we sort of hit the ground running even before they opened up the doors. And it was interesting to watch the division of people. A large percentage right did go over to the arena. But there were people who, and I think this is why it's an interesting concept, the whole expo, because there were people there who were more interested in the parks and resorts, and they wanted to get into that pavilion first. Other people wanted to go shopping first. They wanted to get their shopping out of the way, especially going upstairs to the archives exhibit, which did have shopping with it. And Parks and Resorts also had Mickey's of Glendale, the Imagineering store uh, sort of set up shop literally at the end of the Parks and Resorts exhibit. So for a lot of those people, it was important for them to get that out of the way as opposed to maybe going to see the the, uh, the Legends Award ceremony. Which was kind of smart because last year you would spend an hour in queue, then you would shop, and then you would spend another hour and a half to check out. So a lot of people wanted to get that out of the way fast. So for those of you who were not uh, sort of tied to the booth all day. Were there other things that you saw that you enjoyed or other things that you sort of marked on your list on day one? Because there literally are dozens and dozens of things going on throughout the day. And to try and have us cover them all uh, would be next to impossible. I could actually put up on the website either a PDF to the schedule so you can take a look at what was going on there or uh, I'll put in this week's show notes a list of everything that was going on. So if you didn't get a chance to come to the expo, you have an idea of some of the things that were going on. But there was everything from getting to meet uh, uh, the president of the Disney store to people from Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Uh, Robert Olszewski, the Disney store miniaturist and sculptor, was there. He was doing signings and and presentations. Uh, Radio Disney was there. They were doing like a dance party. So there's lots of different stuff going on all at the same time. But it did seem as though if you were more of the history person you didn't necessarily have as much overlap, like we said, Scott, as you did last year. That's right. But I, um, I was, since I did have the Sorcerer Pass, when I first got into the, the, the show floor, I actually did not have to rush into the, the arena line. So I was able to actually take in one of the presentations uh, on the history of the Disneyland Hotel, which I found very uh, fascinating as I'm, you know, kind of, Disneyland is my home. So uh, seeing that was pretty cool. And then I got to go to the legend ceremony for that and then I also saw a couple of the uh, later presentations one on um, the Pixar shorts from where all the the guys who created all the Pixar uh, the short cartoons that appeared before the major films I got to see that and and just a couple other ones there too so you know when I first got in I was actually just kind of wandering around just getting my uh, my bearing site uh, for the uh, the entire show floor so I'm going to tell you a lot of us and by a lot of us I mean me thought you were insane for getting the Sorcerer package early on because it's it's obviously a big leap from a, a three-day ticket to that. Yeah. However, uh, by day one, very early on, a lot of people were saying, I wish I would have gotten either the Premier package, which, Becky, I did believe gave you guaranteed seating. Uh, guaranteed seating at the arena presentations, but not the panels. But I would say f- the biggest benefit besides the, the arena fast pass was the ability to go shopping the night before. So for me, those two things did make it worth the money. Mm-hmm. But Scott, you saw firsthand the lines um, that were literally hours long, um, and you were able to bypass that, and you had uh, not only guaranteed seating, but you had sort of preferred seating 
uh, in great locations. Did you get a sense of the buzz early on on Friday about the length of time people were having to wait? Because it did sound like there were issues as far as people queuing up for a presentation and then being told after waiting a certain amount of time that it actually had filled up. Was that the case as you were saying? Yes, and, and in fact, actually, my wife and my sister were both uh, in attendance as well, and they did not have the Sorcerer Pass, so I got to hear it from them. Uh, yeah, they spent many hours in line, for, and a lot of times they just barely got in, and sometimes they they thought they wouldn't get in, but then did. Uh, there was they spent a good many hours in line. They brought uh, playing cards to, to keep themselves <laughs> entertained. Uh, so, yeah, I heard that. And then certainly uh, by the end of day one, and then certainly throughout days two and three, I heard many people telling me, "Yeah, I'm getting that next time." The the sorcerer pass, if they were to have that. Yeah, that that definitely seemed to be. And we'll talk about <clears throat> some of the lines some more. But the one thing though is that if you weren't able to get into some of the presentations you wanted to. There was no shortage of things to do because in addition to things that were going on from Disney on stage 23 and stage 28, uh, there were a lot of people who were out there who were doing signings. There was a lot of stuff going on in the Disney Living Pavilion, in the, in the Disney Living booth. Uh, and I saw it. Now, those of us who we had the, the booth and the collectors forum, we saw a lot of foot traffic. We saw a lot of people who sort of wore that overflow uh, from there being able to enjoy some of the other things. So for you guys who were walking around, uh, Larson, Stephanie, Tony, is that what you found? Like rather than waiting on lines or if you couldn't wait on the lines, you were spending your time either in the collector's forum or hitting some of the other pavilions as well? Yeah, or waiting in line for the free cupcakes at 1 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, you guys brought it to food first. I was not the one to uh, to mention food first. <laughs> But was there, a level of, was there a level of frustration? Was there any sort of level of frustration at any point where you wanted to see something, but either you saw that the line was too long or you just realized that it had been closed early? Absolutely. I, I mean, there were plenty of things that I didn't want to see, but I just looked at the line and I was like, I don't, I don't want to waste my time. And actually, part of me is kind of happy I did that because I got to walk around the collectors forum and, you know, they had the Disney fine artists that were there and you have to see more of some of the art that I love walking through the art of Disney and seeing and then you know they had all these collectors that had all these old toys that were back from my childhood and you know you could buy them for just a couple bucks and that was cool for me to be able to just kind of take my time and peruse that yeah and and excuse me this year as opposed to in 2009 I really found myself at the I only the only presentation I went to go see was one of them um, uh, on Friday afternoon the Walt Disney Parks and Resorts that was the one that I had circled that I knew I wanted to see but otherwise I had spent all my time at the booth uh, both because we were exhibiting there and because we were broadcasting live on the box uh, but Christy and Jessica this was your first time there this was your first time uh, at the expo certainly manning the booth as well and this was always the thing about the expo that I appreciated when they announced, and even more so this year, was that sense of community that I found. And I think that not just our booth, but the collector's forum really seemed to foster that, not only because they were non-Disney people, sort of regular people being able to uh, share their passion for Disney or you know share their merchandise or whatever it might be, but it was a chance for us as Disney fans to get together. Christy, then Jessica, did you guys get that sense as well? Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, you've been using the expression that, you know, we were tied to the box. I didn't feel tied there at all. I had such an amazing three days talking with all different levels of Disney fans, people who really love Disney movies, people who are 
passionate about the parks, people who enjoy collectibles, and had some of the most fascinating conversations with people and really walked away uh, into the third day feeling like I was really part, even more so, of a really special group of people who, you know, sort of see the world and, and just a little differently and a little more positively. And I just had the most amazing time and I didn't see any presentations and I don't regret not seeing any presentations. It was amazing. Good, because I had, I had a second of guilt there until you said you didn't regret, and now I don't feel guilt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, what about for you? I, I feel the exact same way as Christy. I, being at the booth, I didn't get to see the presentations, but I got to see so many people, and it was people who were at the Collector's Forum as well. I got to hear about things that they did. We exchanged business cards, and we got I got to learn more about what else is in the Disney community besides just our little group here that we've met on Twitter or on the forum somewhere and just meeting all those people and being able to see some of the stuff on the floor just that's what made this so special for me now Mike you were there again too wearing multiple hats you were helping out with some video which we're going to get posted over the next couple of days and weeks but you were I mean literally you were like giddy about going to this to the to the expo you are a huge Disney fan, as we know, a huge Walt Disney World and Disney Parks fan. You got to experience it in different ways because you were sort of bouncing around, videotaping stuff and seeing. What was your kind of feeling, you know, as day one was coming to a close or as you were experiencing thing on, on day one? Day one, I mean, we walk into the convention center, even though we were there early. Um, the line. I was amazed because I was thinking to myself, how many people really love Disney that much that they would come out to this? Sure enough, I'm walking outside, and there are thousands upon thousands of people, which was absolutely amazing to me. And then you walk into the uh, the floor at the collector's form, and you see so many things that you're like, oh, we don't, you don't have that around anymore. And they're selling these things, like memorabilia, that things that you would love to have for almost next to nothing. So it was a great thing to experience. And then the people at the expo, too, they were... So many people who have the same common interest, and you meet each and every one of them, and it's it's one of the best experiences you'll ever have. Yeah, and Becky, we certainly we felt that way in 2009, and you know we kept on joking during the uh, the prep show about tearing down the walls between our booths. And this year there were no walls. You know we didn't have two little booths that we put together. We wanted to to do something bigger and better, and I think it was that sense of wanting to foster community we wanted to have a place right. that people come could come relax uh talk to each other we also did a couple of other things you know we in 2009 i broadcast the entire event from thursday through sunday which was a very unique experience i wanted to do it again this year but we had not only the camera that we walked around and, and took throughout and we'll talk about the box itself separately but we had a camera in the booth. We had a Twitter wall. You had like nine inches of padding, which I am so very <laughs> grateful for. Um, now you say that was grateful. really nice. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> but we so wanted it to be sort of like a, a destination for people. And, and we had a couple of really cool things. So a good friend of Larson and Stephanie's, John Reed, I'm going to put a link to his oh, website, yeah. uh, came in and he did a balloon. I, I can't even, it's not a balloon animal, like a balloon sculpture of the Sorcerer Mickey hat that he raised up high. And it really became sort of, you know, to use Walt's word, kind of like that, that visual weenie that was drawing people over. And I, I definitely felt that sense of 
you know, community of people we had either known before or never met before kind of coming together over at the booth. Oh, yeah, it was great. And I really am happy that we did what we did in getting that full square because it, it was more of a come on in and talk to us, relax, have an opportunity to get to know other Disney fans, hang out here for the moment, you know, step on the squishy carpeting. <laughs> and then those who weren't part of either of our communities before, they would come over, they would see the sorcerer's hat, they would take pictures with it, which I found really fun seeing the different families that would stop by and the kids just fell in love with that sorcerer's hat. And then they would walk into the booth and say, hey, you know, we, we saw this big sorcerer's hat, so what are we doing here? And then we got to add more people into the community, which was wonderful. That was the ultimate goal. Yeah, and for me, even more so than in 2009, because 2009, I had expected to broadcast for like 10 minutes a day, and I found that my 10-minute broadcast on Thursday ended up being all day on <laughs> Thursday, and all day Friday, and all day Saturday, and all day Sunday, and it was so interesting to watch the dynamic of that take shape, and even this year again, people were watching on the first day, were so intrigued or excited by what they saw, and came in, came out the next day, for it. So it was important to me to try and connect as many people as possible who couldn't get out there for one reason or another, whether it was school or work or finances or whatever it might be, and connect them to the experience. I wanted to bring the expo to them and allow them to participate in it actively. So tell us things that they wanted to see, things they wanted to do, and not be confined to the four corners of the box, but to walk around and talk to people in the different pavilions, uh, over at the Parks and Resorts exhibit, do some interviews. We had a great time talking to, and I'm laughing because we uh, we had a very interesting interview with Billy D. Williams. Uh, we talked to Margaret <laughs> Carey, who was Tinkerbell. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, Paige O'Hara, the voice of Belle, totally unscripted, unplanned. She was just wandering around the Collectors Forum we went over and started talking to her. She was so wonderful and so gracious. She sang. She showed us her artwork. She was just, you know, those kind of experiences that the people who were there necessarily didn't get to participate in, but we were fortunate enough to bring to the box people. Uh, Alex Mayer, who was doing signings there, an incredibly talented artist out here in Florida mm -hmm. for the Disney Design Group. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein, the, the D23 Disney geek was there. But other people just in the community, whether they were authors or bloggers or podcasters, just wanted to come by uh, and say hi. It wasn't about trying to get FaceTime. It was just sort of wanting to meet one another and meet the people in the box and bring the people in the box to there. Uh, and, right. and all of you who are in the box, all kind of who are in the booth, I'm sorry, were able to sort of engage them individually or collectively, whether Christy and Jessica were just talking about things that were going on there, or Mike and Larson and Stephanie and Tony coming back and reporting on things that they had seen or they had experienced and connecting them to their individual D23 Expo experiences. Right. Another thing that we up, did... Keeping up Connect. Xbox 360 Connect. A virtual Disneyland with Lou. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you all laughing? Why are you all because so because the is absolutely hilarious. I gotta say, but, but another thing that we did in the that connected people was let, in 2009 when you would run out with a box, we were sitting in the booth. There was nothing going on in the booth. This year, we had two video uh, monitors up. So when the we had a box cam, so when you were out running around, you could actually see what was going on where you were in the booth itself. So it drew people in and kept them there, as well as uh, having a, a booth cam that people could 
wave to their their family and their friends who were at home and say nana 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 if they wanted to and, and of course we had the twitter wall as well so there was all kinds of ways that we we kind of reached out and connected people a little more than we did in 2009 yeah and all of you who were there at the booth or coming back to the booth it was great because again larson stephanie tony mike scott you would come back and report on the things that you were able to do and say hey this is what just happened in the legend ceremony. Oh my God! The, you know they all sang together. Or at you know on Saturday, when you came from the studios presentation, because there were no cameras or phones or anything going on, that was the instant way that we were able to sort of get that uh, information and experience right off the bat. Right. Yeah, was... Go ahead. One thing I thought was fun was I remember before I went to uh, Parks and Resorts presentation. I was on the box, and we people. I was asking people what they wanted to see, and it, uh, they mentioned the parks and resorts. So when I went to it, it was a lot of fun. When I came back to the box, before I even got on there and started speaking to anybody, all of a sudden I, I saw on the Twitter wall that people were asked saying that I was back and that wondering what had happened. So I went on, and you know, it was fun to go and see an event and have people who were waiting for you to come back and tell them and to be able to. Share that with people at home, which was a lot of fun. And we were also able, because we had the chat, we were able, it was not a one-way conversation. It wasn't a one-way broadcast. We were able to respond to the questions that they were posing or the things that they wanted to go do and see. Or, you know, they would ask Jessica about, hey, what was that? that you know, who was that that just came by? Or what's going on there? Or, hey, you know, Larson, Stephanie, what, what were you guys just doing? What was going on in the Dream Store? Can you go buy me a Tron Rail? Whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> and so one thing that I was really happy that we were fortunate to be able to do with and for the box people this year uh, was take them into some of the presentations. And the one that I was most excited about going to see, the one that the box wanted to go and see, and uh, fortunately the battery lasted the entire time, was bringing them into the Walt Disney Parks and Resorts Arena presentation. This is the one that in 2009, we learned all about Star Tours, we heard more about Fantasyland. Uh, this was the one that I think the level of expectation and the level of anticipation was very high, maybe almost too high because of how high the bar was set uh, in 2009. And while we didn't necessarily get anything new, we did see some more concept arts, we saw some ride-through of the... Um, Seven Dwarfs Minecart Ride. Uh, the thing that impressed me the most was the thing that I thought I was not going to have any interest in, which was the castle in Shanghai, which is a four-story castle with a walkthrough and an attraction and a restaurant and a boutique and all that kind of stuff. So uh, what were some of your impressions, Scott, since you had the you know ultimate sorcerer pass, what was your anticipation going in and your uh, feelings about the Parks and Resorts exhibit uh, presentation? My anticipation was actually not very high because I... I kind of knew what was going to be presented. I knew that there wasn't um, a lot of uh, surprises that they could have uh, presented there. So um, I just went in with, with very low expectations, but I came out you know, generally satisfied. Um, I, re I actually enjoyed the Alani presentation. They actually brought out a, a, ch a children's hula dance core or you know, some singers. They actually performed very well there. and. Uh, yeah, and as you said, I really enjoyed the the Shanghai part uh, with the the castle. I mean, they were very 
they didn't describe anything else besides that because it was all very uh, kind of hush-hush, but the, the castle did look very beautiful. For anybody else who is on who went into the parks and resorts, which one of you had a chance to go in and see the presentation? Um, well, Mark and I did because um, we were videoing it and everything. And the, the thing I loved the most going into the parks and resorts was about an hour before the parks and resorts presentation, everyone in the box had started coming up with rumors for things that were going to happen. And we all had our fingers crossed were going to happen. But unfortunately, it never came to be like things with Journey into Imagination, things with, um, what else? Uh, <laughs> the, the, oh, the Rocket Rods, Horizons. The Rocket Rods, Horizons, <laughs> uh, the Adventures Club coming back. You know, all, all valid things, but, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get to hear any of that. But the things we did get to hear were all very cool. Uh, the Alani presentation was wonderful. Um, I actually haven't seen much up until this point about Alani, so I was very... You know, I got a lot of instant gratification out of that. Um, at the same time, the Shanghai Castle was excellent. I had no idea up until this point that they were going to put an attraction in it, so I'm actually very intrigued by that. Hopefully, maybe one day I'll see it. Um, also, they talked about Cars Land a little bit and the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which I'm really looking forward to because the cars for the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train run on gravity, so it it what they do, it's, it, it looks really cool. You can't really describe it but if you look at a video you'll see what i'm talking they about they sort of roll they not only sort of go forward and back but they sort of roll side to side as well too right and that was that was my takeaway from that whole uh, presentation as well because i was really excited about parks and resorts and and while there wasn't a lot that was new i had to take a step back a second kind of appreciate it for the updates we were being given of I mean, obviously in 2009, they announced all these wonderful, huge things, undertakings that they were taking on. Take time to do that. And while it would have been great to hear, you know, something off of the list of the uh, the top 10 things that Disney fans want to hear come back again, I really appreciated it for what the Imagineers put into it. And it was really a good show. Um, Especially when you're looking at the, the the fly through that we got to see for the first time, and again for me, the Shanghai Castle was really cool. Yeah, and, and it took me a little while to sort of uh, think about this because again, I think initially coming out there was a, a small sense of disappointment that there wasn't anything breathtaking and groundbreaking and new and nothing that was you know we hadn't heard about before, like Scott had said. But I think that is part of the reason why the expo doesn't take place every year because mm -hmm. you can't have those things and with the internet being what it is uh, secrets are sometimes hard to come by uh, and, and so are surprises uh, but, but I agree I mean I think it's not one of the things that I think that the level of expectation couldn't be so high in that every time they do one of these we are going to get announced a new e-ticket ride a new right. resort a new whatever it's going to be so sometimes those levels of expectations are uh, unfortunately and unfairly maybe a, a little bit high I totally agree. And, you know, especially with the economy, the way that we're all kind of facing these challenges and, you know, so, so are the corporations as well. And hopefully, you know, in two years, we'll get that next huge hit of, of surprises on the next expo. Crossing my fingers. <laughs> Cars, Land 20, Cars Land 2012. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. um, before we move on to the, uh, the second day, Saturday, which uh, – and. As crowded as Friday was, Saturday, I, it seemed just like it, there was a lot more buzz, a lot more people. Uh, there were two things Friday evening that I wanted to mention. The first was the final round of the Ultimate Disney Trivia Tournament. That actually began 
on Thursday. And this is something that they didn't have back in 2009. I think it added another level of interest and interactivity to it because they allowed people to participate in a trivia contest in which the grand prize was a trip for four, I believe, on the maiden voyage of the Disney Fantasy in 2012. Uh, and a number of people that I know, myself not included, participated in it. And there were a number of different rounds. And the first round literally began at the door, at the front door, when they asked you a trivia question. And if you got it wrong, you were out. <laughs> I, I assume you could get back online. But um, they were able to win it down from, I think, more than 1,000 people down to the top 20 and then to... The top one, Scott Otis, I believe, yeah. participated. I actually did participate. When I got to the door, they asked, they asked me to, de, um, they gave me a description of the Mickey Mouse Club, and I actually had to identify that television show. So I had to rack <laughs> my brain for that one, and I was able to get that one correct. So they got to walk through the door, and then go up to the the hall on the third floor, where everyone there got to take a, uh, I believe it was a fifty-question um, multiple choice. Scan, you know, filling out a Scantron sheet of, of trivia questions that were ranged from easy to kind of medium to hard. And so everyone got to do that. A lot of, from what I understand, a lot of people lined up like at 5 a.m. on Thursday morning to get into that. I actually slept in, so I got to go to the second round, or the, that is the second showing of that. So and everyone got to do that, and then they cut that down to 100 people so they at about 2 p.m on thursday they they made the announcement of the top 100 people and those people got to show up at i believe it was 3 p.m on thursday to to have like a a, a challenge where they actually had a, a host and um they basically took eight people up on stage at a time and you know basically quiz them until they narrowed it down to the top 18 and so i think i made it to about 27th or so before i got kicked out <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it seemed and i believe that uh for destination d in disneyland and destination d in walt disney world they had taken the winners of those they were automatically give brought into the final round and was wasn't the walt disney world person who ended up winning i don't yes. know his name so forgive yeah, me yeah it was a guy named john i can't remember his last name but yeah he he dominated at destination d and he absolutely killed it at at, at the, the expo here and winning the cruise i mean he won by a long shot i could swear i saw walt disney world trivia book sticking out of his back pocket i'm just saying <laughs> anyway uh, <laughs> and the other big uh the other big event that people lined up literally for hours to get into uh, unfortunately not in the arena present in the arena which held 4,000 people uh, was Dick Van Dyke and the Fantastics and the opportunity to see uh, a true Disney legend perform uh, I believe he did was it all acapella it was yes uh, with the Fantastics I did unfortunately did not get a chance to uh, to see it was it Scott Otis is nodding his head and nudging me like, yeah, that was that yeah. was awesome. I actually had a front row seat for that one with my Don't show sorcerer off. fest. Don't no, no. show off, sorcerer boy. <laughs> not, not a show off. I'm just actually trying to explain that I, I really got to observe it very, very close up. But this is actually where I really started to hear about the lines issue because my wife and a sister, they were waiting in line for this. And I believe they were like, there was one full showroom full of uh, standby folks and they were actually in the second room kind of and the people told them we're not sure if you're going to be able to make it so i believe they stood in line for about you know something like three hours and at one point they had texted me that no we're not going to make it and then they did finally get in uh they believe they were filling adding chairs to the back of the room so they finally did get to make that but but yeah yeah dick van dyke and and the 
What were they called? Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Mr. Front Row Boy doesn't even know the name. Go ahead. No, I, was just, <laughs> I was just spellbound. No, they were absolutely phenomenal. That that guy is so witty and charming, and uh, he's hilarious. So uh, and you know, kind of very funny, and got to hear him and and the other three guys just very. It was an awesome presentation. Well, we had the box people, and we had the people in the booth, so we had a and, and we had a blast. I mean, there was a lot of people just sort of hanging out on Friday night, uh, especially those that couldn't get in. So we had a lot of uh, activity and energy going on in the booth. A lot of because it was Friday, a lot of people had come home from work late, and that was their first chance to participate. So uh, it was again, it was an interesting sort of dynamic because when the people couldn't get into these things, uh, they were just kind of hanging out. And I, I know Tony and Larson and Stephanie were all we were all kind of just hanging out there a little bit, uh, and there was definitely sort of um, a lot more traffic and people sort of seeing everything they wanted to see at that point um, and were just sort of enjoying the idea of being there together with other Disney fans. Christy, Jess, Tony, do you guys feel that same way? Oh, absolutely. You know, Saturday, like on Saturday morning and even on Friday, just the crowds came in and they were rushing to the different, to the different queues. It was amazing the number of people outside on Saturday morning and then how how slow it was in the collector's form because all of the people went to the queues. But it was it was just, like you said, it was just really a lot of fun to hang out, even if you weren't online or going to see an event or even shopping, just to participate and talk to people. That was really the highlight, one of the highlights of the weekend for me. Yeah, I agree with Correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was when our that morning was when our run-in was at Storyteller Cafe, right? That was the morning that our, our rendezvous happened. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, it's a rendezvous now? You happen to pass by John Lasseter as he's having breakfast is now a rendezvous? Is that- <laughs> I spoke with him. He held my hand, okay? John Lasseter held my hand. No, no, that was security. That was security. Handcuffing, that was security handcuffing you. They were handcuffing you. That's oh, why. Oh, no, it wasn't. He was such a sweetheart. Um, but, yeah, Saturday morning um, really seemed to be super crowded um certainly that was the feel we had in the collector's forum uh, i'm sure it was the same way in the presentations as well scott otis is nodding as held and there was a lot going on um certainly there was a lot of disney channel stars there uh ridley pearson dave barry were there uh, ridley pearson was reading from the next installment of kingdom keeper There's a lot of people excited about that uh joey lawrence was there with melissa joan hart uh greg and jeff sherman the sons of the sherman brothers were there um Alex Mayer, like I said, was also do, giving a presentation over in the Dream Store. But the the big talk uh, about Saturday was, I think, a couple of different things. One was the 25 years of creativity at Pixar and Monsters University. But it was inside the Walt Disney Studios. This was the presentation that I really felt had the most buzz. Again, because people were not able to bring in uh, phones and be able to Twitter and Facebook and all that... This is where I felt people were kind of running out. And Mike, I know you kind of came out and was like, oh, that was awesome. Give us a brief recap of, of what you saw in there. And, and was that for you? Was it kind of that the highlight? And Scott, you too, because I know you guys both saw it. Was that sort of the highlight of the presentations and announcements for you guys? Yeah, I mean, um, for those people who were disappointed with the parks and resorts the day before, this was the big payoff. Um, in this particular presentation they were going over all of the new Disney and Pixar movies that were going to come out very shortly and the Disney Studio movies. Um, the first thing that they had opened up with was a short clip from Planes 
And that is the new Pixar, uh, Disney Pixar film, which is kind of like Cars, but themed with planes. And the clip itself was actually very awesome. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And um, actually, in this presentation, what was so awesome was with, with each movie that they had talked about, they brought out almost the entire cast from it. So at the very end, they had brought out the cast of the Avengers. So we got to see Robert Downey Jr., uh, Scarlett Johansson. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Come on. Keep going. I know there's a huge long list. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Um, Thor. Thor, yes, was yeah. Thor was there. Thor guy. Thor guy. Well, no, there were there were so many celebrities. I mean, we saw Jennifer Garner. We saw Jason Segel. We saw. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Am I not? Am I incorrect in, in thinking that you are forgetting one of the most important ones that you saw and mm-hmm. that commented on and that made you, Mike Beckerman, who has no soul, actually shed a small tear when Kermit the Frog came out? Kermit the Frog <laughs> came out with Ralph the Dog and sang Rainbow Connection, which oh. had me in oh, tears. Man. <laughs> Even Becky might have cried. I might have cried. <laughs> had she been able I missed Thor. It. <laughs> I already cried. But, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was probably one of the most magical things that happened during um, all of the D23 Expo. It was the big payoff for me that day. Scott, did you feel the same way? Because you, I think you are unique because of your ticket. You were the one person who, if you wanted to, and probably did, got to see everything or almost everything. Was the the studio's presentation the big presentation for you as well, as far as either what was revealed or who was there, celebrity-wise? Probably wasn't the biggest, but I, I certainly enjoyed it. I, I knew that the, the studio's presentation from 2009 was the blockbuster one, you know, with Johnny Depp and all that. So, you know, I... I I didn't think it would actually live up to that, so I basically kept my uh, expectations low. But uh, everything that they did show me was absolutely phenomenal, and I thought there would be some sort of a big reveal at the end, and even after the Avengers, but there wasn't, and, and that's okay. So everything that I saw there was absolutely great, but it, was, it just wasn't absolutely superb. Does that, so, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, so was there, again, was there that level of expectation that maybe wasn't met, or was there a little bit of disappointment that you would hope that there was, you know, to use a Steve's jobism, one more thing at the end? I was hoping for one more thing. It, it actually did meet my expectations um, pretty much evenly. So the other thing I wanted to mention real quick is that, you know, we're talking about all the things that are taking place for the most part on the main floor of the uh, expo hall. But there were two other floors, and a lot of people uh, went to go, like Larson and Stephanie said, right upstairs to see one of the things. And this is one of the things I think that D23 does and that I enjoy about the expo is that they do sort of peel back the curtain a little bit. And we were blown away by what we saw in the Treasures of the Walt Disney Archives exhibit in 2009. They expanded it, uh, pretty much doubled it in size, even had a second room, and again, you could also go shopping this year. Did all of you get a chance to go upstairs to the uh, to the 12,000 square foot archives exhibit? I did, yes. I did. Most definitely. Uh, for those of you that did, was did now, again, most of us, most of you had not seen it in 2009, what was that? What was that like for you? Sort of being able to see, you know, behind the curtain a little bit and see, you know, having Disney kind of share for the first time. 
some of the things that we've seen either on TV or in movies, etc. I thought it was like a museum, but like a museum that was designed for every Disney fan. You know, you get to see some of the, the things from your favorite movies, but things like the Mickey Mouse that Walt Disney had in the train, that was just, it was so cool to see that. And you could just take your time and walk through at your leisure. I really enjoyed that. Right, and they, one of the things that I really enjoyed, they had the kind of a recreation of the office of one of the nine old men in there. It was absolutely amazing. And they had a lot of props from Zorro as well that I really enjoyed, as I'm a big Zorro fan. Yeah, and there was uh, another separate room with uh, things from Lost. They also had, even, even on the first floor, they had Walt Disney's limousine. They had a tribute to Zorro, uh, another tribute to a lot of the props from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, the Rocketeer, the the book from Sleeping Beauty, book yeah. Sleeping Beauty, yeah. Roger Rabbit, um, the original Mouseketeer. So no matter what your interest, I felt was as a Disney fan, I, I thought that there was something for you, and I think there was something for every age range as well. Not all of us maybe remember like Becky the first runs of the Mickey Mouse Club, but for those of wow. us, <laughs> wow, <laughs> oh, even, for that. They even have one of the the really coolest things that they had right at the opening of that is. The, the little Mickey Mouse that Walt Disney actually used with at the opening of Disneyland when he pulled up in the E.P. Ripley in the train. He had the, the, the actual Mickey Mouse that he was that had there. That was probably the best. Yeah, and right outside the archives exhibit, and this is the thing I think that for a lot of people get glanced over, but I, I like the fact that D23 does. So because, look, the idea of D23 is the fact that it's a community. And again this year they had a fan art contest and a gallery. Uh, they had a contest. They they would theme it each year. This year was uh, about 101 Dalmatians, and they allowed Disney fans to submit their art for a contest and then also put it up on display. And I think that gave a, a lot of people a, a sense of uh, ownership and interest. And, and I think for those of us who got to see their art, a sense of community as well. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily talk about it. It's not sort of the highlight of things, uh, but I think it's important that they do it and that they do involve the guests and the fans in that capacity. Uh, before we move on to Sunday, obviously for me, the thing that I wanted to see and really was sort of the centerpiece of the first floor was the carousel of projects. Um, that was Imagineering's main exhibit in uh, on the first floor. This is where they are, are showing off some of the things that they're working on. Current projects like behind the scenes over at Cars Land and figures and props from Radiator Springs Racers, uh, they had the complete model and the plans for Fantasyland, that virtual ride-through of the Seven Dwarfs Mine Coaster, a lot of things from Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, uh, even Golden Oak, uh, Mickey's of Glendale. Again, you can go shopping for all the cool Imagineering stuff. But the thing that intrigued me the most, and I, I know a number of you had gone in with me to see this, uh, Christy and Jessica and Tony, uh, in the back corner, they had a little fortune teller by the name of Destini which was a very sort of early look at a new technology that you can only imagine how they might utilize when they bring into the parks, one that recognized not only your voice, but your face and your reactions and your eye blinks and who was standing around you. And I had a chance to interact with Destini a little bit and you guys were able to watch that interaction and, and also see the technology behind it because they did show you a computer screen to see kind of what Destini was seeing uh, what did you guys think about that sort of use of technology? Not as something that we're going to see in that forum in the parks, but again, 
giving you sort of a sneak peek like they did in 2009 at some of that future technology that they're working on? I was really impressed. Go ahead, Tony. I was, I, when we went up there, I, I went up once earlier and I spoke to Destini and it was fun and all. I had a great time. It was really impressive. But when we went and Christy spoke to Destini and I stood back and got to look at the other screen to the side and it was describing her, her posture, her height, you know, it says she's female, how tall she is, if she's, how, the percentage of time she's smiling when she looks happy. It was just reading all of this information. And I know Becky was standing back there with me and it picked up my face and it described me as someone, as a secondary participant and it picked up Becky. And the tech, to have that time to stand back when there's a friend of yours on there and see the technology in action, to me, that was even more impressive than when you stood up there. Because when you stand up there, they do a fantastic job of giving you a great experience, but they don't really want to, they don't want you to know about the technology and what's going on. They just want you to be amazed with little Destini sitting there. And I think, I don't know, I think Becky would agree because I think we were both kind of taken back by it, was oh, to stand back. And watch it was amazing. Wouldn't you agree? Totally in awe. Totally in awe because as we were watching it interact, and, and he, he looked like you know Pepe, the little shrimp from the puppets. <laughs> That's what I was yeah, when I first saw it. He really did. And and as we're watching him interact with with Christy, every single emotion, everything assigned uh, a numeric value, so that it was coming up with this this really cool. Um, picture of the, the people not only standing in front but as you said Tony the people behind us Tony you and I were sitting there our jaws were hitting the floor going oh my gosh look at that that is so incredible and if this is where next gen is going wow there, there's obviously not something we're going to see tomorrow anywhere in the parks but obviously there's a really cool technology here and it's amazing to think of where it can go yeah and even speaking we got the opportunity um, to speak with one of the this technology, one of the, the people working on the forefront of this technology, and to see that Destini is, from the sounds of it, is more than likely not a character that you'll see in the park. You're not going to see the technology used this way. And then to just wonder, like, just really imagine what else could they do with this kind of technology, right. to me, was the highlight of that exhibit. It's so cool. Yeah, and the thing that I, I, I enjoy and I appreciate about the Parks and Resorts is exhibit is that it's staffed by Imagineers. It's staffed right. by the people who not only know about the projects, but are working on the projects. We had a, t uh, a, a chance to talk with Kathy Mangum and Eric Jacobson, the, the people who are, are spearheading things like Carveland and talk to them. And we're going to share uh, some video that we took uh, with them uh, on the WW Radio blog in the next couple of days. Because it, it's one thing to have somebody just sort of talk about and give maybe a, you know, uh, a pre-written PR narration about what you're seeing. It's another thing to be able to talk with them and ask them questions about the things that they are really working on. And, and by bringing the box in there, we were able mm -hmm. to ask, ans ask and have answered the questions that the people at home were watching too. And I think that helped to really help to connect them to that experience as well. Right, Lou. I would totally want to say, though, that this is one of the biggest reasons why I like to attend Expo is because you don't always every day get access to the Imagineers. And you can go right into that pavilion and talk to the people who actually have their hands on these projects. So I think that's one of the biggest benefits and, and worth the price of admission just for that access for me. Yeah, and I was really impressed because being my first time at Expo, I went into the Parks and Resorts uh, pavilion 
I didn't know the, that the, the Imagineers' presence was going to be that heavy, that there were going to be so many Imagineers in there. I went in with my, my two sons. They're four and five, three and five years old. And, and a woman came down, and she's talking to, them, to my oldest son, Jordan, who's just under five, talking to him about all the stuff that's happening in Fantasyland. And I just, much like you were saying, Lou, I just thought originally that she was someone who was a PR person. And then Jordan says how he thinks he wants to be an Imagineer when he grows up. And she says, well, I'm an Imagineer. I mean, she, she spoke to us for 35 minutes. Wow. And she's an Imagineer. And she's just, she's kneeling down next to the stroller talking to my kids about Fantasyland and how much fun it is to plan it. And she can't wait for them to see it. And I was, for the first 20 minutes of that, I had no idea she was an Imagineer. I was completely blown away by it. It just, it was it was quite an experience to be there in that capacity. Yeah, the name tag that said Walt Disney Imagineering should have been their first clue. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is why I don't like to share, (laughs) Luke. I kid because I love. Um, But, you know, and and I I feel bad because to a certain degree – we're very much glossing over a lot of the other stuff that was going on there, a lot of the other experiences that was going on there. The Disney Living Pavilion had so many different things to see from merchandise to, you know, they were giving manicures and, and, uh, and displaying new products and Rockstar Mickey, and there was all kinds of celebrities uh, introducing a lot of things and doing signings, and there was launching new vinylmations and... The voice of Handy Manny, Wil- Wilmer Valderrama was there. Uh, Sean Astin was there. Uh, signings are going on all day. And we lose a lot about that because we do need to hit on some of the big things. And like, so for Sunday, a lot of the buzz before Expo was about Marvel, was about Marvel's presence at the D23 Expo. And Sunday was sort of being referred to as Marvel Day because the main presentation in the arena was about Marvel. And again, their presence at Comic-Con uh, was not what it was in the past. So a lot of people, and I think this drew in even a different crowd other than maybe the traditional quote-unquote Disney fans as now comic book fans were coming in to learn about a history of Marvel, maybe that connection and the synergy with their parent now, their, the, the Disney brand. Uh, and it's funny because this year, even more than ever, we saw a lot of people who were dressed up in costume. Uh, I learned a, a new term called cosplay, uh, a whole nother, you know, area of fandom where people like to dress up as their favorite Disney characters or their made-up Disney characters and like Comic-Con walk around and get to meet one another but uh, Scott I know you went into the Marvel uh, presentation again this was in the arena this was the big arena presentation of the day that was the one that had a lot of buzz Uh, it's tell us a little bit about the Marvel one and then a couple of things that you I know enjoyed uh, was again we're talking about some of that parks and resorts and and the history of Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Yes, I actually did get to go to the Marvel presentation. It it was uh, more of a history of of Marvel, basically an introduction of Marvel to the the Disney brand, giving, um, I I can't remember the name, actually it was Joe Quesada, He, he actually gave kind of, he called it a cup of Joe. And he gave a, basically a history of Marvel and and basically leading all the way up to to the recent films with the Iron Man, Hulk, Tr- um, sorry not Tr- um, hmm. Thor, 
and also you know Captain America and all the basically all the teasers that they had at the end of all of those films basically leading up to the Avengers and so they and actually in, gave us another uh, preview of Avengers which was different from the one that they actually had in the studio's presentation so that was pretty amazing and then yeah I actually then went to several of the other presentations including the Art of Brave where they were showing a lot of the very technical uh, artwork that they were going to uh, have in, in the m upcoming movie Brave, which was amazing. And they also had, uh, see, Imagineering Cars Land, where they were just talking about uh, all their progress and work on the Cars Land in, in California Adventure, which looks absolutely amazing. And then, you know, there was one on Star Tours, given by Tom Fitzgerald. And then my favorite was the, the last one, which was Vintage Disneyland and um, Walt Disney World, which is where Tony Baxter came up on stage and actually uh, introduced a lot of the film, uh, lost film work from basically like the opening of Disneyland. I mean, actually opening day, some rehearsals of the actual uh, live broadcast of Disneyland on opening day. Stuff that you'd never seen anywhere else, that they basically literally got out of the vault um, and, and brushed it off and, and showed it to us for the very first time. It was absolutely phenomenal. And luckily I had an absolute you know, front row, middle seat sitting next to Deb Wills. That, was, that was, might have been my favorite presentation. It was the last one of the, of the entire expo too. Yeah, and again, for a lot of us who were at the booth, and Christy, I wanted to ask you specifically because I know you had a chance to walk through uh, the Disney Living Pavilion, and I wanted to basically touch on that because it was very different than the one that was there in 2009, and a lot of the different Disney brands were represented there. And as a Disney fan, and as a mom, and as a teacher, I know you commented on some of the things you saw because, you know, the Disney books was there, and a lot of the educational stuff was there as well, as well as things like okay we all talked about the cupcakes they were giving away but the disney party <laughs> atmosphere can you tell us a little bit about some of the stuff you saw and and maybe was remarkable from the disney living pavilion because it was huge sure oh it was it was overwhelming and i think uh, i explored it a little bit each day and kept stumbling upon new things that were there from you know the like you said the parties where they had these massive displays of um cupcakes and cupcake shaped balloons that they were there to show how you can incorporate Disney party supplies into your children's birthday parties. They had um, a great thing. There's a, a new line coming out for uh, It's a Small World with a series of clothing, um, cookbooks. I think they're going to be at, at Nordstrom's coming out soon. There's a line of um, scents coming out related to It's a Small World and those were beautiful and uh, very interesting to me. There was um, uh, cosmetics there where they had um, uh, uh, villains makeup uh, with different uh, lipsticks and nail polish. And they had, I believe, Jessica, didn't they have Miss Piggy nail polish? I, I, I think I saw that there, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't so sure about that. But uh, <laughs> um, I just, it all just to me, from the books to the furniture to the, just the, I started seeing how there are so many new ways that, sort of that love of Disney can come into our everyday lives um, as opposed to waiting for the next movie or, you know, waiting and waiting for Cars Land to open, that there, Disney is, is really um, broadening the way that we can have Disney in our life each day. And for me, that makes me really happy because it helps to make that time in between the trips, you know, more fun and, and sort of remembering the Disney magic a little more easily each day. So I had a great time. Yeah, and that's why I want to ask you, and I know Jess, too, you had a chance to walk around, and Larson and Stephanie and Tony, we, you know, we, 
didn't all get to go into the presentations and the exhibits and even some of the smaller things outside the arena. And I know there was a lot of talk about that and a lot of talk about the lines. And I still sort of felt like I had a good expo experience because there was so much to do. We talked about the, the Microsoft and the Disney Connect booth and some of the other things that we got a chance to do and see. And so my question is kind of for everybody, you know, did the fact that you either were unable to because of time, because of lines, because of whatever it is, uh, not get into maybe everything you wanted to see, did you still feel as though you had a good expo uh, experience or is it said, well, you know what, maybe this isn't for me because I, I wasn't able to see and do all the things that I wanted to do. Now, Larson and Stefan, you guys were there together on your honeymoon. Uh, I know you spent a lot of time at the booth, but this being your first time, did you enjoy the expo experience outside those presentations? And is it something you'd go back to if they held it again? Absolutely. Yeah, there was tons of, you know, little surprises here and there. Like, you know, we said before, getting to, to meet and talk to John Lasseter at, at breakfast. And, I mean, even though that didn't happen at the expo, if we didn't go to the expo, we would have never had that experience. Um, you know, so that was kind of one of the things that I was like, all right, even if we paid $85 and didn't get a chance to go to the expo at all, to have that brush with him and, and for Steph to, you know, to thank him, um, was great, let alone all the cool stuff that we got to see at the archives exhibit and parks, parks and resorts exhibit, all the cool merchandise that we got to purchase um, that, you know, won't be for sale anyplace else was, was awesome. I have to make a, a quick interjection here because one thing I, I totally glossed over, which was uh, the D23, uh, they had an auction. Uh, they had actually a live auction on one night where they had a number of very high-end items. Once again, they tempt me and they tease me by putting a Peter Pan's flight ride vehicle out there. But there was about uh, 40 or so uh, auction items out there. Everything from experiences with Walt Disney Imagineers, like getting to go and talk to and learn more about Star Tours, to getting the actual hitchhiking ghosts, the original hitchhiking ghosts from the Haunted Mansion, which went for the low, low price of $38,000. I'd like to see myself explain Damn. that one to my oh-so-understanding <laughs> wife. Um, yeah, um, rumor has it it actually went to John Stamos. I think John Stamos yeah. could pull that off uh, since he has a Disneyland <laughs> sign. Uh, the Peter Pan's Flight Attraction Vehicle went for $30,000. But there was also things like private tours of the El Capitan what, that went for as low as $900. Um, a replica of the Pirates of the Caribbean Barker Bird, which went for about $5,000. A Cars Land Experience uh, over at Disney's California Adventure for $14,000. Some uh, paintings, uh, some originals by Noah, which went for twenty and eighteen. dollars So a lot of money was raised, and uh, I know Disney actually used that money and donated to UNICEF as well. So whether it was the $5 Vinylmation you were looking to get or a Disney pin, whatever your budget is, um, as I look over to Scott, what is $1,000 sorcerer package, uh, there was definitely something for everyone. Um, and again, you know, we've been talking for more than an hour and we're trying to sort of encompass, you know, three full days of overlapping exhibits and presentations and celebrities and signings and community and collectors forums. And it's really impossible to do. Um, and I think we all sort of came out of this with a great experience. But again, we'd be remiss if we didn't sort of talk about the issues with the lines because I did talk to people who said, hey, I was online, you know, for six hours. I only got to see two things. And I was curious as to how that was affecting their experience and would they come back? How would that change the idea of, 
hey, maybe Scott's not so crazy. Maybe Becky's not so crazy to buy a premiere or a sorcerer ticket. Um, you know, but is that the answer? Is the answer to have additional levels of tickets? Uh, what can they do? What are some of the things that they may be able to do to address that Lions issue? So there is maybe no sense of disappointment that you line up and not get into something. Um, do you limit the ticket sales? Do you schedule seminars to repeat over, you know, multiple times throughout the day? Do you broadcast them to other rooms? So if you can't get into Dick Van Dyke, but you still just want to hear the guy sing, do you maybe simulcast it uh, to another room? Um, do you have some sort of like a fast pass system? You know, every day that you go there, you get one fast pass. That sort of lets you get into uh, a different, I think there's different ways that they can address it and continue to tweak it. I think like they did in 2009, they tried to address some of those things on the fly in uh, 2011. But I'm very curious to hear either from you guys who are here, if you have a, a thought, or you know, people who are listening to the show who either went there, who are thinking about going, who watched in the box, what some of those solutions might be. You know, How does the talk about some of the, the long lines affect your thoughts about either coming for the first time, if they have it again, or coming back again? I mean, is there anybody who would not come back uh, sort of on the panel here because of the lines? I mean, Scott, I would assume that you felt value was found in, in your ticket. It, would you? I would assume you would do that again. Yes, I would. I, you know, to be honest, actually, uh, there are some things from my sorcerer ticket that maybe wasn't worth it in that um, I did feel like I was tied to a lot of the presentations and those things, and I had to get my money's worth. And so I basically, I probably didn't spend as much time on the show floor as I would have wanted to, or I didn't spend as much time hanging out even in lines with friends that I would have wanted to. I was pretty much a loner the whole time because of that. Um, so it was, you know, not all positive. There was a lot of positive, but not not completely. But yeah, I would definitely do it again. And and one of the suggestions I would absolutely make is, uh, as you mentioned, to broadcast those in other rooms. Th those rooms do exist, and I remember they did that at least at one presentation in the 2009 Expo. I'm not sure why they didn't do that this time. And so also, certainly, they probably could have used uh, the the arena a few times. Certainly for Dick Van Dyke and maybe other the other. Uh, presentations where there was nothing going on in the arena for other people who are on the panel would you consider getting a, a premiere or a sorcerer pass next year or does, did it not matter did you just have a good enough time without having to worry about that that the lines was not as much of an issue maybe for you i mean i think i'd i think i'd start saving now <laughs> so i could do it um because i would have i would have enjoyed I know I would have enjoyed seeing some of the presentations, um, but I'm a kind of person that hates lines more than anything else. And you heard from a lot of people that they were frustrated that they couldn't do it. Um, if there was no simulcasting or there was no repeats, because I really feel like they could have repeated some of the presentations for other people or held, them in, held one in the morning, one in the afternoon, especially since they, they had an idea of how many people were coming. Um, but I think the source of the Premier Pass, I mean, they're there for a reason, and they know people will buy them. Well, I guess the, that said, I guess I'm not eating for the next year. For the big passes. All right. <laughs> Sounds like a oh good anniversary goodness. present, Larson. Yeah, there you What's go. It's a nice go. anniversary present. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm all for it. Let's do that. Yeah, that's definitely anniversary present for me. So uh -huh. Becky is for, a solution. For you or from you? 
No, I think we're supposed to be from you, Larson. Oh, uh, boo. <laughs> so, Becky, is, is, a, <laughs> is a solution to, you know, look, anything you do is potentially going to have a negative impact. If you limit the number of people who can go and say, okay, tickets are going on sale, you know, January 1st, and then they sell out and you happen to be on vacation and you miss out, you frustrate people. If you make it more expensive for a base ticket, you are now going to alienate the people that maybe say, hey, I, you know, Tony wants to come with his wife and his two kids and they do just like enjoy walking around. Do you potentially affect those people that that come out? You know, are different levels of ticket and, and like the, the premiere and the sorcerer, the answer, do you open that up more? You know, is it is it some sort of combination of that uh, to try and alleviate some of the issues with the lines? I think what you're trying to do is have the discussion with me and the panel that Disney's having right now at T23 <laughs> trying to figure it out because there are a lot of uh, – every action is going to have a reaction and it's going to be unfair to some people. It's going to be make other things more fair to others and – I don't know what the answer is, but I think that incorporating several of those ideas that you've tossed around might be part of it. The different level of tickets, I will tell you from the premier level, even though I was unable to attend a lot of the things that I had the access to attend, I would still do it again because I, like Stephanie, can't stand lines. <laughs> and, and if it's financially <laughs> feasible for me to, to do and if I can save the money in the next two years, I will be the first in line to try to get a premiere. I will think about a sorcerer only because I'm very jealous about the way cool name badges that all of them got. <laughs> oh, um, I, <laughs> I had to stop and go, but really, would I pay $500 for that if I was standing in a store? Probably not. But I, again, having that access and not having to stand in line and not have to worry about it and not having to spend spend two and a half, three hours sitting in a queue in hopes of getting in, not to mention from, a, um, from an exhibitor point of view, the last place we want people, uh, we have a booth, the last place that we want people is sitting in a line. We want them in our booth. So hopefully they will be able to take all of these points of view from the 30,000 foot level and throw a little bit of pixie dust to fix some of these issues. If it includes some of the simulcast, that might be a good idea. But I think, like, like I said, pulling in different aspects or different answers to, to try to address some of these issues might be the way to go. And I think something that we said during the prep show is clearly reinforced now more than ever, which is no matter what level of ticket you have, no matter how well you plan, no matter how many lines you stand on or how you divide up you know, to, to divide and conquer, there is no possible way to see and do it all, no matter what you do. Uh, yep. And I think that level of expectation has to be realized before you come into the expo. So if somebody said, hey, I did not get to see everything, you've got to understand that it is impossible. Um, and that is the blessing and the curse of the expo and having so many different things going on at the same times and in different venues, you do need to sort of pick and choose those things you want. And then you make the determination as to where your value comes uh, as right. far as a ticket and your time. And that was what I found very difficult because if knowing that you would have to stand in a line for a panel and there was another presentation going on, you would have to make a choice if you're going to stand in line for this or value it over this, which is why in, our, in the, the, the pre-expo show that, that you did, I was saying I kind of hope they scale it back a little bit only for that. If they go back to four days, that might be another thing that they look at so they could spread out these larger um, uh, presentations over more time to give more 
uh, more access to, to folks as well. Yeah, and actually on Sunday, it got to be where you would have to line up two presentations before to, to see the, the presentation two ones going forward. So big lines. Yeah. Yeah, it is something you know. It definitely is a catch twenty two situation for both Disney and the fans that are coming. Uh, again, a lot of the people that I heard said, "Yeah, I, you know, I, I was frustrated. I may have been disappointed, but I would come back again." Um, I know a lot of people have asked us all repeatedly, "Hey, would, you know, could you ever imagine if they did this in Walt Disney World? Uh, you know, we're having it at the uh, convention center around here. How that uh, might affect people's decisions as to what they do and what they go and see." Uh, is there anybody that would not go back? Is there anybody who would not go back if it was in California again in 2013, if they continue with this every other year system? Nope, I'll go back. No, I'll be oh, there. Yeah. I'll, go I'll back. Be there. definitely be there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll I think there. we need a bigger booth. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to need a bigger booth. More balloons. Bring more balloons. <laughs> more balloons. Yeah. I've, I got ideas. Wow. Oh, man. I'm saving Uh-oh. now. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I really want to hear, uh, especially for this, again, you know, the roundtable, we have a lot of people on, and forgive me if I couldn't get to hit everybody, but, and certainly everything that was going on, because there, there was a lot to cover, but more so than anything, I want to hear from those who are listening, either if you were in attendance, if you didn't go, what your thoughts are about going forward, if you would, certainly from people who are watching live in the box, what was that experience like for you? I had a couple of people say, you know what? I'm happy I didn't go. Like, I like this experience better on my couch with comfortable feet and, and just sort of sitting up and being able to experience it without the line because it was that sense of community for them that was of, of paramount importance. Uh, I also am curious because this is a question that sort of came up in my mind and a, and a conversation I had with somebody else, which was, what do you think the point of the expo is? And by that, you know, is it primarily meant to showcase the Disney brand? Is it to give us as D23 or Disney fans a peek behind the curtain? Is it to treat us to new experiences, sort of reward us as fans to things that we couldn't see anywhere else? Or is it really about that sense of community? Is it a place to sort of gather as fans, either literally in person or through what we do, sort of figuratively and virtually uh, through the box and the chat and things like that? Uh, because it gives people who are overseas and who people can't get out here a chance to participate uh, very actively. I would love for you to come to WDWRadio.com, click on this week's show, show number 237, and leave your thoughts in the comment section. Or you can even call in if it's easier for you. Call into the voicemail, toll-free, 888-703-2171. Give us your thoughts uh, about this year's D23 Expo. I have got to say, um, and I've got to take a second to give my sincerest uh, and heartfelt thanks to all of you for joining me tonight, uh, for uh, Christy and Jessica and Mike and Tony and Larson and Stephanie, all of you who helped out in the booth. Uh, you guys just crushed it and did an amazing job. Certainly Becky and her team over at Mouse Fan Travel. Thank you for joining us with the booth and sponsoring the booth with us. And speaking of thanks, um, specifically to Becky and the people at the booth and the people who came by and the people who watched in the box, uh, one of the most exciting parts for us, and this is something that we were planning for a long time, uh, for the people who not only came by the booth to participate, but who are watching 
along the way, uh, Becky, once again, in, in your true, you know, wonderful generosity and wanting to engage the people in the experience and give them something for it, you were kind enough to uh, have a giveaway at the at the booth for people who were at the expo. We gave away sort of a, a bingo game that they had to sort of come back and pay close attention and, and fill in all of these different questions uh, in the bingo in the bingo grid and then on Sunday we drew a random winner and you were kind enough to give away to somebody at the expo um, something that nobody else did which was a six night Walt Disney World vacation uh, at a moderate resort during value or regular season uh, including tickets and dining and I gotta tell you that brought such a great energy uh, you know to the booth and the people who were participating and let us sort of engage all the people who were there as well Oh, it was so much fun. And we didn't just do that. We, we gave away that trip to the people who were there. We also did some really cool things for the people in the box because I, you know, I feel kind of sorry that they're not standing there and they're not able to participate. So we did a few things for them. We had some trivia games that we came up with on the fly and gave away. Okay. Remember when I had to break away and I went shopping the night before with my little pass? I went to the, uh, to the Treasures of the Archive store and I bought a whole bunch of pins and things that we could give away uh, to people who answered things correctly. We also gave away because in, it wasn't fair that the people in the box couldn't attend. So I felt that it was important that they had an, a way to access to because, I mean, those people are sitting there watching us for three days and not actually being able to participate. So we gave away another six night stay in a moderate resort to one of the box people and all they had to do was answer 20 questions <laughs> and they weren't easy they were some pretty hard questions over things that had happened over those three days so they had to have been watching the entire time to know the answers and there was an amazing amount of people who got them all right yeah we told people ahead of time that if you mm -hmm. cannot make it out to the expo uh, we highly suggest, in addition to following the tweets and the Facebooks, but to watch it as long as you can uh, in the box because you guys right. came up with some great questions about things that happened, about uh, experiences that we had, about people that we <laughs> that we uh, had a chance to talk to. And again, uh, we had it was uh, so much fun. Yeah, it we was, had a ton of entries. Uh, I, I was amazed by the number of people that yeah. watched. Um, either individually day by day or a lot of people who watch over all three days from right. around the world England Scotland Germany Italy Japan we had uh, people in the in the armed forces watching from Kuwait mm -hmm. and Afghanistan and Iraq and it was neat to be able to sort of bring them that experience and again reward them with a chance to win one of the prizes Right, and from our perspective, from MEI and Mousefan Travel, we really believe in giving back to the community, and that was just one of those small little ways that we could make it fun and exciting and, and kind of give back to our, our friends and clientele as well. So thank you for the opportunity for us to, to do that because we really did make some people very happy. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun and uh, added a lot for us as well. So I, I, I am sincerely, <laughs> sincerely grateful to you guys, uh, to you and your team. And, and you guys did very much crush it in the, in the booth as well. Happy to do it. And I guess I'll have to start saving for 2013, right? We need to do it all again. Bigger and better. Let's bigger go. and better in 2013. Uh, all the people who couldn't join us tonight, uh, Mark Lorenzo is out there. He's going to share some of his photos with us as well. Uh, we've got a lot of additional content that we're going to share. 
Certainly everybody, you know, old friends and new friends, I, I say it all the time, uh, it was a great opportunity for us to finally meet in person at the expo. And certainly to everybody who watched, whether it was for five minutes or 50 hours in the box, and there were a lot of you, I, I am so grateful for you taking the time to share in the experience uh, with us. I can tell you that for me personally, that was the highlight for me. It was not about the presentations. It wasn't about the cupcakes. It wasn't about anything else. It was about the people. It was about the people in the booth, the people that I met, and the people in the box. Um, if, it, if this is about community, then that was the big payoff for me. And I certainly felt that. And I would go back again, no matter where or when this was again, simply because of that experience. So. Uh, my thanks again to all of you, uh, Becky Mankin, Christy Visaki, Jessica Clausen, Tony Caggiano, Larson, and his lovely bride, Stephanie Eisenberg, Mike Beckerman, and Scott Sorcerer Otis. Uh, guys, thank you again for joining us tonight, joining us at the Expo, and uh, I hope that I will see you all again there. Thank you. Definitely. Thanks. Thanks. You'll see us there. Thank you. Can we pop the balloons now? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that watched and hopefully enjoyed our live coverage of the D23 Expo and some of the other events we've covered in the past, the whole idea of live broadcasting with the interactive chat is to let you be connected to the experience. For us to be able to bring the Expo directly to you if you couldn't make it out there in person, it really is not just a great time for me, but again, hopefully is able to bring some of that Disney to you wherever you are, whenever you are. And at the Expo, we actually announced what we are doing next, because in just a couple of weeks, starting around Wednesday, September 14th, we are going to Aulani, Disney's new vacation club resort out in Hawaii. We are going to be doing live video broadcasts from the resort, as well as some of the experiences that you can participate in if you make your way out to Aulani, we'll also be taking lots of audio and video and doing some interviews and tours and everything else to bring you content later on for the show. But definitely stay tuned to Twitter, to Facebook, and to the show. And of course, wdwradio.com slash Aulani, A-U-L-A-N-I, for more updates. Uh, once we get out to Aulani, we'll have a better idea of exactly what we'll be able to broadcast and when. Again, big time difference, especially for those of you on the East Coast but we're going to try and bring you as much as we can live from the resort. And again, while we're there, we'll also be taking lots of video from the resort and the surrounding area and some of the experiences and excursions you can do as well. So again, visit www.radio.com slash Aulani and stay tuned for details about our live video broadcast and interactive chat directly from Aulani, probably starting about Wednesday, September 14th. Again, visit www.radio.com slash Aulani for more information. Mahalo.
You may think it's a little odd to hear Christmas music after talking about going out to Aulani, especially since it's in the middle of the summer. No, I have not lost my mind yet. Instead, I have a very special announcement from Celebrations Magazine, the print magazine celebrating all things Disney, published by me and Tim Foster with the help of so many wonderful contributors and writers and photographers. Well, we now have an announcement for something special we're planning this year just for the holiday season. Many Disney fans believe that going to Walt Disney World or any of the Disney parks during the holiday season is a completely unique experience from any other time of the year. Whether it's snow on Main Street, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, holidays around the world, the Osborne family spectacle of dancing lights, Festival of the Seasons, Jingle Jungle Parade, there's so much going on. It is such a beautiful time of year and a beautiful experience in the parks that we wanted to do something special to celebrate the season this year. So we are proud and excited to announce that we are releasing a deluxe limited edition holiday special edition of Celebrations Magazine. But this time, it's not a magazine at all because it is going to be a limited edition hardbound deluxe issue with over 120 pages of Disney Christmas magic hundreds and hundreds of color photos and behind-the-scenes stories of the holiday celebrations at Walt Disney World. It's a great way to relive the magic of the Disney parks, the resorts, the holiday shows, and lots more. And just in time for the holidays, it's going to be available in early November for $24.95. But you can pre-order your copy now for the exclusive discount price of $19.95 plus shipping. It's a great gift for you or anybody who enjoys the magic of Christmas at Walt Disney World. For more information or to pre-order a copy for yourself or someone else, you can visit celebrationspress.com. Again, these will be shipping in time for the holidays in early November, but they are going to be a limited edition. So once they are gone, we will not be producing any more. Again, more information, visit celebrationspress.com. And of course, happy holidays. That's going to do it for this week's show. Hope you enjoyed our recap of the D23 Expo. Again, whether you were there in person or watching in the box, I'd love to hear more from you. Some of your comments about what you thought about the Expo, our coverage of it, what you'd like to see in the future. Anything else, you can come by show number 237 by visiting wdwradio.com. Click on this week's episode and leave your comments there in the comments section. You can also call in your comments and be heard on the air by calling the toll-free voicemail line at 888-703-2171 or by emailing me at lou at wdwradio.com. While you're on the site, be sure and explore all the different ways how you can get some of the magic of Walt Disney World anytime, anywhere. I have my audio tours of the Magic Kingdom on CD or download, trivia books, iPhone apps, the new Disney World trivia app. Plus, you can find our entire catalog of back episodes both on the site and in iTunes, daily blog posts, new contests, videos, photo galleries, lots more. Again, we'll have videos coming from the D23 Expo coming very soon. Also, don't forget to join us live every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for the WDW Newscast. It's a live broadcast and interactive discussion about this week's Walt Disney World news. You can visit that at wdwnewscast.com. But if you can't make it live, that's okay because you can watch on our YouTube channel or on the WDW Radio blog. I'll also post the audio from the newscast every week in the iTunes feed. So if you're not a subscriber yet, be sure and head over to iTunes and subscribe to the WDW Radio Show. 
We'd also love for you to be part of the WDW Radio Disney community, and where you can meet other Disney fans on our discussion forums and talk about anything Disney, or better yet, come by and meet each other at one of our WDW Radio Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World. Stay tuned to DisneyMeet.com for information about September's Meet, which will be coming very, very soon, as well as other events around the country. Uh, our cruise on the Disney Dream in November 2012. You can check out our new logo, uh, which we just posted over at DisneyMeets.com as well. Big thanks to Stefan Lawrence from StefanRules.com for designing the very cool tie-in to uh, another water-based Disney attraction for the logo. Also, be sure to come by, follow me over on Twitter for all the latest updates as to things that are going on. I am at Lou Mangiello, or join the WW Radio page on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash WW Radio. Also, you can check out my personal site at loumangelo.com. Find out more about some of the things I'm involved in, including our Dream Team project, private tours of Walt Disney World, speaking opportunities, and lots more. Big thanks again go out to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel. Again, Becky and her team, not only very generous with giving away two week-long vacations to Walt Disney World, but for every one of their clients, they give you incredible personal service, the best possible prices and discounts, again, all at no cost to you. When you come to Walt Disney World, maybe you want to stay in a house with your own pool and kitchen and game room and spa. Bring the whole family. They have everything from two-bedroom condos to seven-bedroom homes over at allstarvacationhomes.com. And if you want to stay right in the heart of Walt Disney World, I love the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. I love the restaurants like Blue Zoo and Il Molino and Kimonos. Of course, they've got the Mandara Spa. Lots of other Disney benefits. Very well-themed pool. And, of course, the oh-so-incredibly-comfortable heavenly beds. Check them out over at swananddolphin.com. Again, lots more that I'm working on, especially now that I've made the move up to Orlando. And thank you again to all of you who've been so wonderful and supportive uh, of the move that took place right before the D23 Expo. Things have been incredibly hectic and crazy, especially in trying to get the shows and the newscast done. Also, speaking of which, with the craziness of the move and setting up the new studio, please forgive the audio quality uh, for this and the last couple of shows. I know it's a little echoey while I'm in the process of getting things set up. Hopefully by next week, we'll be back to uh, a little bit less of a cavernous sound to the audio. So uh, I appreciate your patience with the audio quality on this week's show. Now that the dust has settled a little bit, uh, I can start working on some of the things that I have planned for the show and a few other projects as well. Uh, so again, big thanks to all of you. And um, again, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share the link on Facebook, Google+. And please come by iTunes and rate and review the show and the WDW Radio and Walt Disney World Trivia apps there as well. And please don't ever forget that no matter where you are or what you're doing, it's never too late to start pursuing your dreams and doing what you love each and every day. So take that leap of faith. Take that first step. And once you do, always keep moving forward. Again, you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not. That was proven to me many times over at the D23 Expo and recently since my move. So, again, thank you to all of you. And I hope I have the opportunity to meet you all uh, in one of the Disney parks somewhere. So, until next time, I hope you have a great, great week, everybody. Thanks again for listening. See ya. Hey, Lou and listeners, this is Jay Darling, your Disneyland connection for uh, Celebrations Magazine. I was listening to an older show, and there was a uh, listener who wrote in who was wondering if there was a place to get coffee refills. 
um, in Disneyland, and I think we recommended at the time um, the the bakery. Now, I'm really not sure if the bakery does this, but actually the place in Disneyland where you can get free coffee refills with your seat all day long is the Market House, and that's uh, for sure. It does have to be a coffee product, so if you order tea or something like that, they won't be able to honor it. But as long as it's coffee, the Market House will be able to hook you up. Anyway, uh, just hope everything's going great and keep moving forward. Hi, Lou. This is Scott, longtime listener, big fan of the show. Just wanted to let you know that I recently returned from a five-night trip to Disney World. Stayed at the Dolphin Hotel, which I highly recommend. The bed was phenomenal, the heavenly bed. I had great experiences in the parks and had the chance to try two new foods because of the advice that I had picked up on the show. One was the carrot cake cookie over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and the other was Dole Whip which despite my many visits over to Disney World, I had never had the chance to try, and it was amazing. So thanks for everything. Keep up the great work. And also thank you for your wonderful coverage of the D23 Expo out in California. I'm Bruce Fan 28 from the Box People, and I really enjoy it. Thanks for everything you do, Lou, and take care. Hi, Lou. It's Mike Email from Plaquemines, Louisiana, a longtime listener. Uh, and we go to Walt Disney World two, three times a year. It's 2005, my daughter and myself, my wife. And uh, listening to your listener comments uh, and calls recently, the August uh, 14th show uh, last week, the guy from Auburn, Maine, uh, Mike from Auburn, Maine, said that uh, they were trying to get a uh, uh, kitchen sink on their pontoon boat tour of illumination. And... uh, he mentioned that they were going to Blizzard Beach during the day, and, and instead of worrying about getting the uh, kitchen sink on the uh, pontoon, and forget about that, uh, you're going to be at Blizzard Beach. Go get you a, a big sand bucket. You know, uh, we we always have a sand bucket at Blizzard Beach, and it's a great big, huge pail full of ice cream and everything in the, you can imagine, and uh, it's, it's pretty close. It may not be a kitchen sink, but it's it's pretty darn close. I think if you guys eat a sand bucket on that vacation, uh, you may not even crave a kitchen sink like out there watching Illumination. So just a thought. Uh, hey, enjoy the show. Take care. You've got a friend. 